Good morning. Welcome to Boiling Springs Baptist Church. We are glad that you are here with us today. I have several announcements today. First of all, I want everyone to uh, take note of the flowers that are placed in our sanctuary this morning. And I'm going to say just a, a brief word, and, and she doesn't know that I'm going to do this, but the, the flowers are placed in dedication and, and in honor of Ellen Humphreys and all that she does for our children's ministry. I've had the... Um, the honor and the privilege of working with Ellen since I've been here for the last year and a half. Ellen loves to pick on me. Ellen, love, Ellen loves to pretend like she doesn't love having me around. Um, I, know, I know that she does, but Ellen, you are so called to be the children's minister here for Boiling Springs Baptist Church. It's an honor to work with you and it's an honor to have you. Also, this evening, as well as Wednesday, so this evening at 5 o'clock in the Lighthouse Room, there will be a presentation on the hymnal Celebrating Grace. Uh, Candy is, is, is excited about this and excited to talk with you all about um, the possibility of that. And so if you can come this uh, tonight at 5 o'clock in the Lighthouse Room, and then on Wednesday at 6 o'clock in the Lighthouse Room, uh, there will be presentations uh, on this hymnal. And so we would love for you to be there if you can. We are excited that you are here with us today at Boiling Springs Baptist Church. Uh, our prayer this morning is that we all prepare our hearts as we worship our Lord. If you would, please turn in your hymnal to number 364. We'll sing, Come Holy Spirit, Dove Divine, and then we'll go directly into Spirit of the Living God. Um, this is a way to um, celebrate the baptism that will be following this singing. So if you would, if you are able, please stand and join me in singing number 364.
This summer, we have been working our way through the book of Acts. And today, we find ourselves in Acts chapter 8, where Philip is going down the road, the Gaza road that leads south, and the Holy Spirit tells him to catch up with someone. And as he finds this someone, it's the Ethiopian eunuch. And uh, he finds the Ethiopian eunuch reading Isaiah 53. And he asks the eunuch, do you understand what you're reading? And he says, well, how can I unless someone explains it to me? And so Philip begins, starting with Isaiah 53, begins to preach Jesus to this Ethiopian eunuch. This Ethiopian eunuch becomes a believer, learns about baptism, and he says, what prevents me from being baptized? There was water, and Philip baptized him there almost immediately. And we see this throughout Acts and throughout the Gospels. When people come to know Christ, the New Testament says within just a short amount of time, sometimes almost it's immediate, that they are baptized. And Wesley Russ comes today. I'm going to ask Wesley to join me down in the water. Wesley comes today professing his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He did this back in the spring at our renewal services. And uh, not only am I rejoicing with Wesley over his decision and baptism today, but also their upcoming marriage with Ashley Daves. Uh, and we just, it's a big year for Wesley. I was talking to Wesley and Ashley earlier, and it's just a big year for them. And so we rejoice with Wesley and his decision to follow Christ, but also uh, with his decision not only to be, a, with a, to be a husband and now a father as well. And so Wesley, we'll continue to keep you in our, in our thoughts and prayers as you as move into a big year this year. But uh, Wesley, let me ask you before God and everybody, in whom have you put your faith and trust for salvation? In Jesus. Amen. Well, Wesley, if you'll hold your nose. Well, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ in his death, and risen to walk in newness of life. Amen. Let's, let's pray together. Father, we just rejoice in what you're doing in the life of Wesley Russ not only with salvation and baptism, but Lord, with marriage and uh, becoming a father and just, uh, Lord, there's so many things that are taking place there. We just rejoice in what you're doing in his life. We thank you for all of those in our fellowship that have recently put their faith and trust in you and those, Father, that are contemplating a decision of what it means to follow Christ. Lord, I pray that you would stir their hearts and I pray that today's baptism uh, would be a uh, reminder or a, uh, uh, maybe your spirit would stir in people's hearts as what they've seen today. Lord, we love you. We thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray, and it's in his name we worship this day. Amen. Psalms 139, 13, and 14. For you created my image being. You knit me together inside my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You, your works are, all, are wonderful. I know that full well. Hymn number 401, Break Out, O Church of God. Number 401, if you are able, please stand and join me in singing.
seated. It's so good to see you today. I want you to do something for me before we start. I want you to put one hand out in front of you so everybody can see your hand. Now, the first verse of what Grady read was, how you made me is amazing and wonderful. Everybody's hand is different, isn't it? Now, if you look to your right or you look to your left, everybody's different. God made each of us special. He gave some of us beautiful red hair and freckles. He gave us some of us brown hair and black hair, blue eyes, brown eyes. He made all of us special. And all our fingers aren't alike, are they? Some of them are skinny and some of them are fat. Some of us have on no fingernail polish today, so we'll skip that one. And maybe look at our toes. But God made all of us different. And when he says, what you have done is wonderful. What you are is wonderful. But there's one particular thing that we all have that God gave us that makes us the same. And that's our heart. God gave every one of us a heart. And in our heart is something special that God puts there every day. And that's our love for him. We love him so much and it doesn't have to be any different than anybody else because God loves each of us as we are. Each of us is special. We might be different because our fingers are different, our toes are different, but inside us is a heart that beats every day, full of love for God, full of love for Jesus and what he does for us. So just remember that. God made us special, each one. It doesn't matter how you look. Doesn't matter about your fingers or your ears or your hair. What matters is in your heart. And that heart is full of love for not only Jesus, but each other. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for these shining faces. They are each one a gift to me and to this church. The love abound, the love is unending. Their love for life and what you give them every day is so special. And if they forget sometimes, let me say thank you. You are the gift that brings them joy every day to their family, to their friends, to this church. Thank you, Lord, for this gift. Thank you for this day and for these children. Thank you for the gift that we have seen in the baptism and what it means to this family as they begin a new life together. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. May we go to God in prayer at this time. When, O oh Lord, did we first realize how much we love our church building, how beautifully it stands, so pristine, yet containing all the warmth of home. 
When, oh God, did we come to know how important weekly worship is? We've come here when discouraged, doubting, guilty, and defeated. We've come here when happy, expectant, assured, forgiven, and victorious. Either way, worshiping you enables us to place the elements of our lives in their proper order. When, God, did we first become aware of how much we love all the people who come here to worship? If our friends are in their usual pew, we feel assured. If they are absent, we feel uneasy and incomplete and inquire of others where they may be. Failing to get any information, we call them as soon as we get home. How we need each other for the strengthening and the understanding of our faith. When was it, Lord, that we discovered that this place makes us aware of your presence more than any other? Most certainly you are with us all week, but here you come into sharper focus. Here we listen more attentively to your voice. Here we fall into deeper thought concerning your son and his teachings. Here. Tears come into our eyes as we are reminded how central you are to all that we do and all that we are. We offer thanks for Wesley and the commitment he has made to you. We thank you for his family and friends. May we offer our support and encouragement to Wesley as he grows closer to you and strives to be faithful to the vows he made this day. Our prayer today, O oh God, is also one of confession. We who are members of the church confess that we often forget or take lightly the vows we took and the promises we made when we embrace the Christian faith. The activities of our daily living and our being faithful members of the church often have been less than exemplary. <clears throat> Forgive us. And as once again we have heard promises made and vows accepted, may we reaffirm them in our own hearts and rededicate ourselves to being more faithful and effective witnesses of your presence and love in the world. Thank you, God, for our church. May we find ways to reach others that they too may yearn to be a part of our community here and experience the love we have not only for our church, but also for one another and for those beyond our walls. We are especially concerned for the members of our church and community who have unique needs this day. We pray knowing that your care will surround them and that we, as your instruments, may be also called upon to encircle them as a witness to your love. Hear our prayer as we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Our next hymn is number 572. I love to tell the story. 572. If you would and you're able, please stand and join me in singing.
Let us pray. Lord, thank you for blessing us with this beautiful day to come and worship you in your house. And as we move into this time of offering, let us now be generous in our giving, just as you have been generous to us throughout our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. They're holding up the ladder that I'm climbing on. I'm climbing up the ladder and I'm going home at the top of the ladder. Oh, what joy there shall be. And the angels are holding up this ladder for me. As I climb this gospel ladder, always heeding every sign, I know my Savior's with me and He's teaching me to climb. Every day that I'm climbing, there's a battle for me. Every step on this ladder is another victory. They're holding up the ladder that I'm climbing on. I'm climbing up the ladder and I'm going home. At the top of the ladder, oh, what joy there shall be. And the angels are holding up this ladder for me. There's a mansion being built for me somewhere in glory land. And this ladder that I'm climbing is a part of his plan. I can hear the angels beckoning and the climbing don't stop. There's a crown of life awaiting for you when you reach the top. They're holding up the ladder that I'm climbing on. I'm climbing up the ladder and I'm going home. At the top of the ladder, oh, what joy there shall be. And the angels are holding up this ladder for me. Come on, you Christian soldiers, show the world your light can shine. Get on this gospel ladder and don't be afraid to climb. Can't you hear the angels cheering and the battle will be o'er? And we'll celebrate the victory when we reach the other shore. They're holding up the ladder that I'm climbing on. I'm climbing on the ladder and I'm going home. At the top of the ladder, oh, what joy there shall be. And the angels are holding up this ladder for me. They're holding up the ladder that I'm climbing on. I'm climbing on the ladder and I'm going home. At the top of the ladder, shall be and the angels are holding up this ladder for me on the upward way new heights I'm gaining every day still praying as I onward bound Lord plant my feet on higher ground Lord lift me up and let me stand my faith on heaven's stable land a higher plane that I may found Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. 
my heart has no desire to stay where doubts arise and fears dismay though some may dwell where these are bound my prayer my sin is higher ground Lord, lift me up and let me stand My faith on heaven's stable land A higher plane that I have found Lord, plant my feet on higher ground I want to live above the world Though Satan's darts at me are hurled For faith has called the joyful sound Though slam of saints on higher ground Lord, lift me up and let me stand By faith on heaven's stable land A higher plane that I have found Lord, plant my feet on higher ground I want to scale the utmost height And catch a gleam of glory bright But still I pray till heaven I found Lord, lead me on to higher ground Lord, lift me up and let me stand By faith on heaven's stable land A higher plane that I have found Lord, plant my feet on higher ground Good morning! I'm going to be reading Acts 8, 1 through 5 and 25 through 40. It's the Pew Bible, pages 954 and 955. Okay. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him, but Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. Now 25. After they had further proclaimed the word of the Lord and testified about Jesus, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Candake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah, the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture that Eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before it, shearer, it's silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice, who can speak of his descendants. For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. 
As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all of the towns until he reached Caesarea. Oh, I said that wrong. <laughs> you did good. Thank you. Well, good morning. It's an exciting day today. Let me just share something with you as we begin. Um, several months ago, I was... Um, looking up a word, and that's not all that rare. I don't do that just a few times a year, but I do it probably quite often as you just read these different words that are hard. You're like, how do you pronounce this or what does it mean? And so you, you, a pastor or anybody who's studying the scripture finds themselves looking up words quite often. But I was looking up words and I, and I used to always go to my paper dictionary, which I rarely go to now. It stays in that dust in the, in the drawer of my desk and probably collecting some dust in there. But typically you look it up on your phone or you look it up on your laptop or tablet or whatever you do. And so I found myself at dictionary.com looking up a word. And while I was there, I saw a little thing that said, sign up for a word of the day. And I said, well, that's pretty cool. You know, someone who uses words a lot on Wednesday nights as I teach and Sunday mornings, it might be good for me to learn a few new words. And so I signed up for a word of the day. And uh, I've been receiving these for probably a few months now. But the word of the day, Wednesday, was a word called glocal. A word called glocal. And I think we have a slide with that word up there. And the meaning of the word, it says, of or relating to the interconnection of global and local issues and factors, glocal. I like this word. It's kind of like it combines two words. You know, we do this a lot. We have one in our home called lupper. And it's that if you don't eat lunch and you, you don't, it's too early for supper, you kind of eat a big meal and we call it lupper. I think that may be a made up word. I don't know if that was, if dictionary.com would have that one. But there's another one that we do use and that I think is an actual word is the word called brunch, which combines the breakfast and the lunch. And that's one we use, you know, more often. There's other words we use, words like guesstimate that combines, you know, a lot of contractors will use that, right? The, the guess and an estimate. And then combined, it's called a guesstimate. And uh, you may have heard one of those recently on a, something on your house. And another word that a lot of the youth or young adults will use is chillax. You know, it combines chill out or chill and the word relax. And so I hope this summer that many of you have had an opportunity to chillax, either at the beach or the lake or the mountains or wherever you like to chillax at. And so um, to use a little, some modern vernacular there. But I thought about this word glocal. Let's get back to where we're going here. I thought about this word glocal in relation to where we are in the book of Acts. If you remember in Acts 1.8, I, I said for weeks now, it's a good summary. It's a good outline. It's, it, it frames, if you will, the entire book of Acts. And so Acts 1.8 says this. It says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the remotest parts of the earth. We have a local aspect of being Christ's witnesses in our Jerusalem. This is our Jerusalem, Boiling Springs, North Carolina. We also have a responsibility to be Christ's witnesses in our Judea, uh, our region, or our county, our Samaria, our state, or our country, and also we have a responsibility to be Christ's mission globally and to the remotest part of the earth. So if you would join me, or it would be safe to say that our mission as a Christian people is a global mission. It's a, it's a global mission. So you never thought you'd hear that this morning, did you? Um, 
But another way of looking at this is we could say we've come together as the local gathered church, and now we disperse and become the scattered church. The word scatter in Acts 1, you may have called it, that that Lizzie read, it says uh, because of the persecution, you know, in Acts 7, uh, Stephen was stoned and a great great persecution began there in Jerusalem. And so many of the followers of Christ began to scatter, although it says specifically that the apostles did not. The apostles remained in Jerusalem. But many of the other disciples, many of the other followers of Christ began to scatter. And the word scatter here Um, Well, excuse me, I'm going to wait and talk about ravaging. If you look later in verse 3, it says, Paul began ravaging the church. And the Greek word of the ravaging here denotes a brutal cruelty, almost like a wild animal would go after something. It's just this ravaging, this wreaking havoc on something. And because of this, the church began to scatter. And the word scattered here, here we go, means to be planted. It means to take up root, much as a farmer would throw his seed, and then that seed would later grow. Uh, That's what we see here as the church begins to scatter. We begin to see the message of Christ going outside the confines of Jerusalem and to the surrounding area, and of course we know that it goes to the uttermost part of the earth. It's very important for us to remind ourselves, Acts chapters one through seven have all taken place in Jerusalem. The gathered church has remained the gathered church and that has remained there in the local setting of Jerusalem. But in Acts 8, excuse me, yeah, in Acts chapter 8, we see Acts 1-8 come true and we begin to see the spreading of the good news of Jesus Christ into all Judea, Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. Last week, again, we looked at the stoning of Stephen, and we talked about that. We, we learned how um, Stephen was one of the uh, ones chosen, as many we say would be the first deacons, the first leaders of the church in Acts 6, were the widows, the Hellenistic, uh, the Greeks, and their widows were being uh, overlooked in the daily distribution of the food, and so leaders were appointed. Stephen was one of those, but Philip was also one of those who we learn about today as well. Um, as we uh, look later into chapter of chapter eight here in Acts, we learn about the Ethiopian eunuch. And uh, most likely, well, let me back up and say this. If you were a follower of God, but you were not a Jew, you could be one of two things. You could be a proselyte. This would be someone who has uh, taken circumcision and has tried to become as much of a Jew as they could. And then you would have what many refer to as a God-fearer. And these would be someone who has not went all the way to be circumcised, but yet they worshiped uh, as close as the Jews would allow them to worship in the temple. And they were a God-fearer. And many believe, some put the Ethiopian eunuch in the, in the camp of a proselyte, and then many put them, most of them put him in the, in the camp of a God-fearer. So it was, never, it was obvious that this Ethiopian eunuch respected God, wanted to know God, he worshiped God because he was on a journey there to Jerusalem. It's interesting to know as well, Philip is the only person in the New Testament to be specifically called an evangelist, preaching the good news from city to city. We see that, and we see Philip doing that and living that out there in chapter 8. It's, it's interesting also that as a layman, he was not, again, one of the apostles, but he was chosen to help serve food to the widows. And I love this. It fits in with our empowered sermon series. Here we have another individual, common man, and throughout Acts we see common men and women who were empowered by the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to preach the message 
of Jesus Christ. You see that throughout Acts, and it's, it's awesome. When it says they were filled with the Spirit, just a few verses after that, you begin to see them have a public proclamation of Jesus Christ and his death, his life, his death, and his resurrection. But what happens next in our passage here about the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts 8 is a once-in-a-lifetime experience. At this time and in this way, God was leading Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch down a course that would take the gospel, of, the gospel message into all the world. Think about these once-in-a-lifetime moments. We've all had them. Uh, hopefully, high school graduation was one. Um, maybe a trip was one. You may, could possibly go on that trip again, but you will never be able to go on that trip and, and have everything happen the way, and see it for the first time, the way that you did the first time you took that trip. I was thinking about a once-in-a-lifetime experience, and a first kiss is a once-in-a-lifetime experience. Whether good or bad, it was still a once-in-a-lifetime experience, and it's one I'm sure that we could all remember. But what we have happening today is a once-in-a-lifetime experience. It's the first time that we know of an Acts that the gospel is moving outside of the walls of Jerusalem. And it's a once-in-a-lifetime experience for Philip, and for this Ethiopian eunuch, and one that forever changed uh, the spreading of the gospel into the continent of Africa as well. But as we look at this story this morning, as the church is scattering and becoming glocal, to bring that word back up, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch remind us of five things. And if you were to write something down this morning, this would be the something to write down. But the first thing that Philip reminds us of is the message of Jesus Christ reaches out to all people despite color, race, or gender. The message of Jesus Christ reaches out to all people despite color, race, or gender. This Ethiopian eunuch was a black, unmarried male officer of the royal household of Candace. She was queen of the Ethiopians. So this was no small fry. This was a very important person. And for him to be allowed, first of all, to go to Jerusalem is quite significant and uh, quite a distance as well. But he was made a eunuch, most likely as a precautionary measure because he served and worked among the wives of the king. The color or race didn't matter to Philip. God called him and he went. The story is a great example of Paul's words in Romans 10, 11 through 13, when he said, there is no distinction now between Jew or Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him. And forever who, forever, for, excuse me, for whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. The second thing we see that we can learn from Philip and the eunuch is the eunuch was hungry for the things of God. We see this. Why do, why do we know that he was hungry for the things of God? Well, in what little study that I've done this week, it, um, it was demonstrated by the fact that he traveled approximately 70 miles one way, about a 30-day journey just to worship in Jerusalem. He was hungry for the things of God. He likely spent a few months of that entire year on his journey to worship and to learn and to grow in Jerusalem. He was also reading from Isaiah 53. Philip knew the word well, and he explained it to the man. And how refreshing it is to, to relate this to today, to find people who are hungry for the things of God. Some of you make it think of people in your family. You make it think of people here, hopefully here at the church, um, but you can think of people maybe even at your workplace that, that there's something special about them. There's a, there's a, there's a hunger that's there that is uh, attractive, that, is, um, that, that wants you to also learn because you see that their hunger, that they have a hunger to grow and learn and they're sharing with you what they're learning and how they're growing. It, it, it helps us to think about, okay, how is God working and moving in my life? But you, you see here in the eunuch a hunger for the things of God. We struggle with this today, this, this hunger, because we're so self-sufficient. Most of us in this room have most everything that we need. 
our material possessions and our culture at large doesn't lead us to have a spiritual hunger. But today we're challenged by the Ethiopian eunuch. His hunger for the things of God should convict us and challenge us to look within our own lives and to ask, do we also have a hunger for the things of God? The next thing it reminds us of is we must not hoard the gospel. The gospel was not just meant for the people in Jerusalem. And we see that here in Acts chapter eight. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not just meant for a select group of people. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not just for people who look, act, live, and respond to life the way you and I do, or the way a small group of people would. The gospel is truly for all people. As a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are called to go and to make disciples. Excuse me, most of you in the room are not called to another country. Although, let me say that some could be in the days ahead. Uh, I would love to have that conversation with you in my office or wherever it may be as, as to what the Lord may be leading you to do and where the Lord may be leading you to go. He may not be calling you to a new setting. Uh, He may not be calling you to a particular people, but we are called to share and to show the love of God to whom we come in contact with. That would be in our family, in our neighborhoods and community, at our places of work. The places where we go each and every day, we also have that same calling as well, to take the gospel into all the world. And that starts with where you and I find ourselves each and every day. One of the things that's significant too, or that I've shared often with when I was a youth minister, um, I think about, I can't help but think about the Dead Sea there in Israel. You've got the Jordan, you've got the Sea of Galilee, Sea of Tiberias, I think it was called at one time, and you've got the Jordan River and it flows into the Dead Sea. And the Dead Sea is slowly becoming more and more dead. The water is shrinking there. There's no life. There's no, at least fish life. There may be some bacteria and things living there, but there's no aquatic life, fish life living there in the Dead Sea. And if we're not careful, you and I can become a little bit like the Dead Sea. We have some things flowing into us. We have some religion flowing into us, but there's not a lot flowing out of us. And uh, when we see here with this, with Philip, we see Jesus that had flown into him or grown into him in a sense. And then we see Jesus flowing out of him as well to this Ethiopian eunuch. And so uh, again, as we think about not hoarding the gospel, this gospel is something that is meant for all of the world. And if you and I have Jesus flowing into our lives, then there should also be some Jesus flowing out of our lives as well. Philip was also led by the Spirit. He was led by the Spirit. Philip was not just one of many we read about. Philip, excuse me, was just one of many that we read about in Acts who was led by the Spirit. Verse 26, he was asked to go, and he did. Later in verse 29, he was asked to go up and join the chariot, and he did. And in verse 39, we see at the end of the story, we read about Philip being snatched away or caught away by the Holy Spirit. I'm not sure how it would be worded in your translations, and I'm not sure exactly what that looked like. But nevertheless, the Spirit was leading Philip throughout this entire process. When it comes to the Holy Spirit in our lives, I have a question. If you have put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is living inside of you. And the question is, What are you and I doing to feed the Spirit of God in our lives? We have a world that sucks the spiritual energy at times out of us through our demands maybe at work or through um, things within our culture, things with children, the demands that are placed on us. We have um, spiritual energy being drained from us probably most any week on almost any given day. And so I ask you and I ask myself the same question, what are we doing to feed the Spirit of God 
in our lives. Tony Evans, years ago, a men's rally, I think it was, and I heard him say a quote that I'll never forget. He said, we need to starve the flesh and feed the spirit. And there's a lot of truth there, not only for men, but for any individual. Starve the flesh and feed the spirit. What are you and I doing to feed the spirit of God into our lives so that we, like Philip, can respond when the spirit leads us to go? And the last thing that I wanted to share is God's timing is perfect. Some experiences and opportunities and conversations, like I said earlier, are truly a once-in-a-time opportunity. May you and I be open and ready to the Holy Spirit to have his own way in our lives. Jesus performed many of his miracles while he was on his way somewhere else, going about his normal business. And the timing of these miracles uh, was most likely a once-in-a-lifetime experience. If you and I are responding, living in the Spirit and responding to the Spirit, then there will be opportunities for you and I to take, to share, and to show the love of Christ. As we go about our daily schedule, our daily lives, may we be open again to the Holy Spirit and allow him to have his way in us. Let me go back to something that I talked about at the very beginning. It's the title of the sermon today. The things about Acts 8 and the scattered church. We gather together as the body of believers known as Boiling Springs Baptist Church. Uh, I know before the service today, uh, you saw maybe a, a short little clip of, uh, it was actually a drone video. I don't know how many of you caught that. We had someone here this week filming our church and you'll be seeing more on our website and in announcements of some cool ways we're hoping to, um, uh, to use that in, in promotion of our church, but ultimately in the promotion of who we are and what we believe and encouraging people to come and to visit with us. But something I was sharing with Roger and the one who came and helped us do this, excuse me, is that, you know, it's easy for us to say, and I think we will forever say, we are coming to church. We are coming, and we call this facility the church. But you and I, sitting in the pews, are the church. I was sitting under a pastor one time as a youth minister and, and people kept, it was a joke around church. People would say, well, I'm going to the place where the church meets if we would see each other in the community because the pastor was really driving it home there for a few weeks. And so we'd see each other in the grocery store and we'd say, well, I'll see you Wednesday night at the place where the church meets. Uh, but this, this is a building and, and I think we will leave here today and probably still call it the church. But nevertheless, we are reminded, hopefully today in Acts 8, that we are the church. And the church that was gathered in Jerusalem in the first seven chapters, again now, is scattering to the ends of the earth. And let me just say this, the balance is needed between the gathered church and the scattered church. It's hard for us to scatter and be the church if we haven't gathered as the church to, for equipping, for inspiration, for worship, it's hard for us to be the people who God wants us to be if we have not gathered. It's much more difficult to scatter and to be effective in our witness and in our lives. After all, the scattered church is where 90% of the church's work is accomplished. It is where the, the hurting are helped, the aimless are counseled, the bereaved are comforted, the imprisoned are visited, the naked are clothed, and the lost are witnessed to, and the hungry are fed. The church needs to see itself as a mission outpost from which the gathered church begins to scatter. We are called to move beyond the stained glass windows into the struggles and the heartaches of the people in the community. How are we as Boiling Springs Baptist Church doing at being the scattered church? How are you and I doing at being the scattered church in the world? In order for us to be the scattered church, we must first know Christ in a personal way. 
If you're a believer and God wants to, uh, to use you to be his light at home, at work, and at play, God has called each of us to be a part of the scattered church. We have come today as the gathered church, but we leave as a scattered church. I love in some churches, there'll be a thing over the doorways that will say you are leaving, um, enter to worship, exit to serve, uh, something like this, but you'll see different things maybe in some churches over the, over the door as you leave, but it's a reminder. I love it when I see that because it is a reminder, uh, the fact that we do come here for equipping, for growth, and for worship, but yet we leave to be his hands and his feet, and we believe, leave to be his representatives scattered throughout our local community, throughout Shelby, throughout Charlotte, and wherever you may find yourself during the week. Have you placed your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ? And if you have, are you allowing his Holy Spirit to move and to work in you to be that scattered church throughout the week? Let's pray together. Lord, we ask this morning that you would use us as we go about our daily lives this week. We are your church, and you have paid the ultimate sacrifice for your people. Help us, equip us, and us to be your people. Empower us and fill us like Philip. Help us to respond in obedience when you call us to go down our own roads. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you're here today and maybe you've trusted in the Lord, but maybe you've never followed through with baptism, Wesley is a great reminder for all of us of what that looks like and the joy and the peace and the, the experience of what it means to follow Christ. And so if you have never followed Christ, I would invite you to do that. But if you've never followed through with believer's baptism, I would love to talk with you about that this morning. If you desire church membership here at Boiling Springs Baptist, I would love to invite you to, to join me down front and we can talk about that as well. Let's stand and sing together. Grace alone.
will just for a moment be seated. And the reason I'm doing this is I would like for our youth and our chaperones who are going to camp to please stand back up so you can see who they are. We've got some in the balcony, some scattered around. And so we want you guys to know that we'll be thinking of you and praying for you more than just thinking of you. We'll be praying for you throughout the week this week. Uh, Alan, do you still need snacks? Okay, so uh, you can bring those to the church. Uh, there, there will be a meeting here at five, right? Candy, where's Candy? Is it five, right? Yeah. Five o'clock, there will be a meeting here at five. You can bring them then, or you're welcome to pray and see the youth off in the morning at eight o'clock and bring more snacks. Uh, I will be here and, and uh, look forward to that time, but let's bow as we close, and I'm gonna close with a prayer for our youth, but then there will be a song right after the prayer uh, to this, uh, before we leave today. So uh, let's, let's pray for our youth at this time. God, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be in your house once again. We rejoice with the baptism of, of Wesley uh, Russ, and we just thank you so much for what you're doing in his life. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in the life of our church and in our community. And Lord, for what you're doing in the lives of our youth. Lord, I thank you for Alan and Mary and their leadership with our youth ministry, and I thank you for the leaders that are uh, giving up a week, some of vacation and, and uh, sacrificing. They could be doing other things this week, but Lord, they're going off to camp. And Father, we pray for these leaders. We pray for the youth, that you would work in their hearts and in their lives, that you would draw them into a closer relationship with you. That Lord, in the coming days, we'll be able to look back on this week and see the significance of it in our lives moving forward. Lord, bless their travels, keep them safe, bless the worship and the speaker this week. And Lord, just give them some wonderful times together as a youth group as well. Father, we rejoice in your goodness and your grace. It's in your name we pray, the name of Jesus Christ, the name above all names, amen. And before we sing, let me ask Wesley to come up here. Wesley, um, we do this for all of our baptism participants, but we just want to give you this certificate of baptism. I was able to talk with Wesley both last weekend and also um, this morning before baptism, and we talked a little more about, uh, you know, just growing in Christ and what that looks like, and so Wesley, we're, um, we know it's a big year for you, and we just want to know we're praying for you, and Thanks, we love you and thinking of you. Thanks, sir. And uh, come speak with Wesley after the service, but I'm going to turn it over to Candy. He's joined me in singing, May the Spirit Bind Us Together. 